0: If you are able, please stand to show uh, reverence to the Lord as we join in the hearing of his word. Our Old Testament reading this morning is Genesis 11, one through nine. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top into the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people and they have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth and they left off the building of the city. Therefore its name was called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. Our New Testament reading is Acts 2, 1 through 13. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like the mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues, as of fire, appeared to them and rested on each of them, And how is it that they hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? Others mocked, they are filled with new wine. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated.
1: Good morning. Please join me in prayer for the word. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for Lord, gathering us together, your people, to be able to worship you, Lord, on this Pentecost Sunday. Remembering, Lord, that you, Lord, have given us salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. And, Lord, that is why we gather. That is why we worship you. And, Lord, we pray that as we hear your word, Lord, give us, Lord, ears to hear. That we may understand your word the way that, Lord, you speak into our hearts that, Lord, we may live according to your word, and that you may receive all glory from our lives. We pray this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. This morning we're talking about something that we all need in our lives. It's necessary. It's essential. Yet a part of our lives that I think a lot of us take for granted, or maybe we just don't really think about these things, Uh, in our everyday lives, and that is communication and our spoken language. We use it every day for all kinds of occasions. We use it uh, to express our thoughts, to convey our emotions, to express our love towards one another. Language brings a new perspective into our lives, and it helps us to give meaning and understanding to the things that are around us. Learning a new language is like learning a new culture. You get to understand the world in the eyes of a different people group. With our words, we speak and we sing the praises of God. We confess our sins to Him and we pray to God. With our words, we encourage and we inspire people. Yet also with our words, we can condescend, and divide. It is with our words that, it is with his words that God created the heavens and the earth. And it is through the eternal word, Jesus Christ, that was spoken into flesh. It was the word that God breathed life into man. In his infinite wisdom, God chose to reveal himself and to speak to us through his word, And through his infinite wisdom, he chose to receive glory through words and through languages. And that's what we're going to talk about today. The language, the tongues of the nations. I'm sure that most of you, if not all of you, have heard about the story today about the Tower of Babel. And this is a famous story that is almost kind of like a fable, almost. It explains how the world came to have so many different languages. There used to be one language, but people became too powerful. They became arrogant and prideful towards God. And they tried to build a city and a tower that would reach the heavens. And so God punished them by confusing their language. And so they're scattered across the world speaking different languages And we think that this is just a Sunday school story that we just learn when we're children. However, if we look a little bit deeper, we can see the importance of this story, that in the context, this reveals to us this story, the salvation and the redemption of God. On the surface, the story seems like Moses just trying to explain to the people. Well, this is why we speak different languages, and this is why there are different people groups. God seems to be the culprit of division, where these people are trying to gather together for unity. They're trying to come together as one, right? And, and we want that, and we like that. And it seems like God is the one that, you know, is punishing them and is dividing them and causing them to be separated. However, as we will see as we look at these, the, these texts, God is actually blessing his people. He's blessing the nations. And it was his plan of restoring broken humanity back to himself through languages. In the beginning of our Old Testament passage, the Tower of Babel, we read that the whole earth had one language and the same words. And this was a result, of course, of the flood and a new beginning of mankind through Noah and through his descendants that they began this kind of new Eden, this new start. The people decided to, to settle in a land called Shinar, which is southern Mesopotamian region. And it would be close to where the Garden of Eden once was and where the empire of Babylon would begin. It was in this land that the Bible tells us they would try to build a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. So the question that we have to ask this morning is, what is wrong with trying to be one together? What's wrong with trying to build a city for ourselves and trying to gather together, trying to do something as one? The key is in the motive. In verse 4, we see that the people in Shinar, they come together and they want to build this city, they want to build this tower to make a name for themselves and so that they would not be dispersed over the face of the earth. These two motives reveal to us why God did what he did, why he punished the people, why he confused their language. It wasn't that God was seeking division. It's not that God is a God of division and dividing people and separating people, but that it was his will, it was his plan, and it was his glory that were his utmost priority. And it was the highest good. And so firstly, we'll look at the motive of trying to make a name for themselves. In trying to make a name for themselves, they were directly rebelling against God and they were challenging him. They were trying to take his glory and they were trying to glorify themselves. They were not exalting God who deserves all of the honor and all of the glory. And instead, they were trying to take that glory, and make a name for themselves. And so as they were doing this, trying to build this great city and this great tower, trying to make a name for themselves, they ended up being humiliated and taking on a name of shame. As Derek Kidner explains, he says, Babel, or Babylon, called itself bab or Gate of God which may have been a flattering reinterpretation of its original meaning. But by a play of words, Scripture superimposes the truer label, Balal, he confused. The punishment of confusion came from the people because they were sinning against God. And it was through their attempt to overthrow God, to live independently of God, They were trusting in themselves rather than trusting in God. After the flood, Noah and his descendants were given a second chance. We remember back in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned against God. They disobeyed God. What was their sin? It was trying to live independently of God. Trusting in themselves. Thinking themselves as gods. And these descendants of Noah... This second start, right? This restart of mankind, they became guilty of the same sin as Adam and Eve, trying to trust in themselves, trying to build their own kingdom independently without God. And so, in this short span, from Adam and Eve to the flood, and then from Noah and his descendants, we see once again mankind falling into sin. Victor Hamilton, in his commentary, states, The sin of these tower builders is undoubtedly the sin of pride and pretentious humanism. The want, the desire to try and live independently of God. To think that we don't need God. To think that we deserve glory rather than God. And so, in both instances, in the Adam and Eve story as well as the story of Babel, the people are punished for their disobedience and pride towards God, and in both instances, God, instead of giving them the just punishment that they deserve, which is death, God has mercy on these people. Instead of killing them, he instead scatters them, and we'll look at that a little bit later. Secondly, In trying not to be dispersed over the earth, the people of Shinar, these descendants of Noah, they were disobeying a direct mandate, a command and a blessing that was given from God to his people. We remember in Genesis 9 that he gives this blessing and command to Noah and to his family. God says, and you, be fruitful and multiply. Increase greatly on the earth and multiply it. And of course, this blessing comes from the blessing that God gives to Adam and Eve in Genesis 1. He says, God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. The blessing of God, the mandate of God was to fill the earth and to multiply and increase in the earth. What were the people of Shinar trying to do? They were trying to stay together as one. Instead of going out and filling the earth, instead of obeying this mandate from God, they were trying to keep this blessing in, in for themselves, trying to build their own kingdom and their own glory. And so they were going against this mandate and this blessing that God had given them. And it was because of their own insecurity It was because of their own pride. It was to try to preserve their own union, things that they had built for themselves. They they were afraid of losing these things. And in trying to keep what they had, they were actually going against and sinning against God. They were trying to create another Eden, but an Eden without God. In this case, God Confuse them and in confusing them he caused them to be scattered all over the earth this was their punishment but it was also a blessing we can see that in all of redemptive history as God banishes Adam and Eve from the garden he does it as a punishment to Adam and Eve but he also does it to preserve their lives for they could not live in Eden. And so in banishing them, in scattering them out, out, outside of Eden, he's actually preserving their lives and continuing to bless them. He does the same with Cain. After Cain kills his brother and deserving death, God instead has mercy on Cain and banishes him. Yet in banishing Cain, he also preserves his life. We see the same thing happening in Acts chapter 8, in the early church, as God scatters his disciples, scatters the believers, but in doing so, he continues to proceed his gospel message of salvation to the ends of the earth. In all of these cases, the scattering of the people, this, this punishment, it seems like, It seems counterintuitive to what should happen. It seems counterintuitive to to what God should be doing in his plan to redeem people. Yet, it is the scattering that actually is a blessing from God that he would eventually gather all people through all the earth back to himself. We can see this more clearly in the text immediately following our Tower of Babel text. Though the story ends with the people being confused in language and being scattered across the earth, we're introduced to a man named Abram. Abram would also leave his home and he would do it at the command of God. But Abram, his kingdom, his descendants, would not build a kingdom of their own. They would not build a great city for themselves to glorify themselves. But God would use Abram to build his nation and his people. As we talked about a couple weeks ago, he would use Abram to gather the nations and be a blessing to them so that the nations would come to worship and glorify God. We can also see this heart of God through the New Testament passage that is related to our Old Testament passage. I don't know if you've ever thought of this that the Tower of Babel story, way back early in Genesis, is somehow connected to this story of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. We see that though all the people of the earth are scattered and confused with different languages in Babel, that God reveals his ultimate plan through Pentecost as he gathers the nations to himself through the work of the Holy Spirit. At Pentecost, of course, it was uh, 50 days after the Passover. And we know that Jesus was with the people after his resurrection for 40 days. And so we see that these disciples, about 120 of them, they were gathered on Pentecost. Just days after Jesus had ascended into heaven. They were praying, they were gathering to meet together, to talk about Jesus, to talk about what he had taught them, to praise and worship God. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, we read, And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them, and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is how Christ would fulfill this great redemption of all nations. This is how He would fulfill what He had told the disciples Before his ascension, he told them that they would be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This didn't happen with the Hebrew Jewish Christians forcing their culture and forcing their language upon other people. If you look at the text, if you look at what happened here, what God did was he gave the languages of each nation to his disciples so that they could go out and proclaim his mighty works. We know that these tongues that, we, that are talked about in Acts chapter 2 are not just kind, some kind of um, noise or, or incomprehensible, just gibberish that they were saying. Because in the context, we see that the word glosius refers to languages. And it's because they were able to speak these languages that all of these Hellenistic Jews, the Jews that came from all of these different uh, cities that spoke different languages, they were able to, what, hear the mighty works of God, hear the gospel message in their own language, not just gibberish, but in their own language. And so, what had been broken because of mankind's disobedience and rebellion against God God had now restored through the work of His Son, Jesus Christ, and by the power of His Holy Spirit. At Babel, God had cursed the people to be dispersed and to be confused in their language. But at Pentecost, He blessed the people to come together by understanding each in their own language the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, it's important to understand that the unity that God had given to his disciples, the unity of bringing all nations to himself, that it wasn't a unity that all of the people became alike, like mind and like person and like language and like culture and alike in, in every way. The unity that God had brought to the people was a unity that every culture, every tribe, every people group, every language group could come together and not become uh, together, just one to, to come together as one, but instead with all of their differences, with all of the different color of skin and different languages and different cultures, God's perfect unity was bringing them to be one through his son, Jesus Christ. In his commentary, Kenneth Matthews, he remarks, At Pentecost, the outpouring of the Spirit upon the representative nations gathered in Jerusalem results in the spiritual union of the new church, but does not create a homogenous language, ethnicity, or statehood. The blessing is not that we all become identical to each other, but that though we are all different, and this is a blessing from God, that we can all come together through Jesus Christ to glorify God. In John's vision of heavenly worship, the people from every nation, from every tribe, they all come together to worship God. But John's vision isn't a vision of every tribe and and every, every people group coming together and worshiping God in English or worshiping God in Spanish or Korean. In Revelation we read, That a great multitude that no one could count from every tribe, from every nation, from every people, and every language all come together to worship the Lamb. So then practically, we who are in Christ are not trying to assimilate people to become like us. This is a distorted view of unity. This is a non-biblical understanding of unity. That means that the majority culture isn't the culture and language that people should assimilate into when they come into a church or when they hear the gospel message. Nor should a minority culture and language be thought of as superior than the majority. God is pleased when all people of all cultures and all languages, come together. And in each their own language and each their own culture, they give him glory as one body. This is the true unity. And it is the unity that only comes through Jesus Christ. This is the gospel. And it is further exemplified through the Abrahamic covenant and blessing, which we discussed a couple weeks ago, It was when the Israelites had excessive over-pride of their own nation, of their own people group, that the Lord was not pleased. They were to be God's beacon of light and hope and blessing to the nations. And when they failed to live accordingly, they were admonished by God. And we see this again even at Pentecost, when the Hebrew Jews, they, they start to speak these different languages through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Hebrew Jews and the Hellenistic Jews, they come together and they are one and they begin the church in Jerusalem. But it's not until God scatters them, right, in Acts chapter 8. They did not fill the earth. They did not heed Christ's command to go out to the ends of the earth. And so God scattered them to Judea and Samaria and the end of the earth. God, he loves unity in diversity, because he's the one that created diversity. So let us go out and embrace one another for our different cultures and our different backgrounds and the different languages that we speak, and let us all do it together for the glory of God. God is not pleased when we gather with people that are just like us, that might have the same culture as us, that might speak the same language as us and we just gather in our own circles to glorify God. He's not pleased with nationalists and humanists who strive to push their own agendas for their own glory and use God's name to advance their own cause. God is not pleased when the church tries to build up its own city and its own tower to glorify itself. Instead, God is pleased when the church looks to its heavenly city, when the church looks to the new heavens and the new earth, and when the church unites, as Paul says, all different parts coming together as one body. Diversity is a gift, and it is a blessing from God not that we should be divided but that we would be able to experience God more fully through the diversity that he has given to us we have the opportunity to know God more to love him more and to glorify him more through the different brothers and sisters that he has called to be one under him and We have this opportunity today to experience this blessing of God, the blessing of all the nations through our Healthy U Fair after service today. (laughs) God has blessed us so much. Where would we be without jollof rice? Where would we be without pansit? Where would we be without kimchi? I I know, I don't know. Maybe it's not for some of you, but for me. Where would we be without burritos and hamburgers and all sorts of different kinds of foods that come from different cultures? You see, diversity, different cultures, different languages, it's, it's a blessing from God. And so, as a church, let us glorify God by coming together, all nations, with different languages to come together and glorify our God as one through Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for your goodness, for your, Lord, your loving kindness towards us. Lord, in a world where we struggle to come together because of the many differences that we have we thank you Lord that because of the work of your son Jesus Christ because of his blood Lord we who are from many nations from, from different places from, that speak different languages Lord we are able to come together regardless of those things And we are able to love each other. And we are able to unite in you, Lord, because of what you have done for us, because you have saved us, Lord. And so, Lord, we pray that as we do come together, that we would learn even more to love each other, to honor one another, to respect one another, not just for the sake of doing it, Lord, but because it pleases you, Lord, And because, Lord, through this diversity that you have blessed us with, that we are able to praise you more, that we are able to know you in a fuller and deeper way. And so, Lord, continue to build up your kingdom and your church here at Grace, in this nation, and through the ends of the earth. We pray this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen.